Heather. If you haven't already signed up for a House of Light, you can find one on our Wayo app. It's free and available both in the App Store and on Google Play. This year, we're changing things up and having church in July. We'll have one service every Sunday in July at 10 a.m. This week's sermon is part three of God's glory on our house. Enjoy this message. We've been talking about God's glory on our house. We've been talking about God's glory uh, on this house, our church. We believe it's the season for that. And I want to spend just a few minutes that I have left with you today, uh, next 30 minutes or so, just moving more into this. I want to focus on the doxology, and that's a theological term, but it's the end of the Lord's Prayer. And what's interesting is modern translations of the Bible have actually started leaving it out, which I think is a detriment because it loses the power of what we're praying when we, when we miss the doxology because the Lord's Prayer is actually a theological prayer. And whether you understand that or not, we've been praying the Lord's Prayer in our homes, but it's a theological prayer that starts out something like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you are good. We got a good daddy. And when the prayer starts reminding us every morning, we got a good father, right? Hallowed be your name. We worship you. Your kingdom come, right? Will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. Now, theologically, we understand the kingdom's not just something that co- that's coming. It's actually something that's already here and coming, right? Give us our daily bread, our provider. Forgive us so that we can live in forgiveness, right? A continual reminder of how we've been forgiven by God so we can l- live in total forgiveness to anybody who's wronged us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? You know that one. And then how about lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Shows me there's a warfare, right? Shows me there is an evil force that's out there that, that, that we need God's help, help with. But it all culminates in this powerful ending. It says something like this. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And it reinforces that all that prayer into that one doxology, if you will. We've sung it, we, we've prayed it, but now we need to really understand it, I believe, to move into this season of glory that God wants to manifest in our lives. Understand the kingdom, the power, and the glory of God. To understand the kingdom, we've got to realize God's plan for man has always been good. And he created us to thrive in the earth in relationship with him. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Then God blessed them. Somebody say blessed. God blessed them and God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Most of us, unfortunately, start our theology after the fall. And that's a wrong theology. Because if you started after the fall, you believe that inherently everybody's evil. But in actually, you got to start it before the fall because inherently, actually, everybody's good. I'll be back over here in a minute. I'll come over this this crowd here. See, a lot of us think we've been taught inherently everybody's bad. That's not true. Inherently, actually, everybody's good. We've believed a lie that makes us think we're bad. That's how the enemy deceived Adam and Eve. He made them think they were separate from God, made them think God was holding out on them, and that's why they were actually designed to be clothed with the glory of God. But what happened was they, when they believed the lie, the lie is what got them out of the glory, not their sin. 
when they believed the God of glory, when they no longer believed in him and his plan for them, they, it got, and then they started trying to make up stuff. That's why it says they covered themselves with fig leaves. That's why Jesus in the New Testament says he came upon a fig tree that had leaves and no fruit, and he cursed it. He wasn't cursing a tree. He's cursing dead religion that you try to cover yourself when God's the only one that's supposed to be covering you up with the Lord. That's why people don't want to go to church. That's why people are, are, are buying out of religion. Why? Because it's all man-made stuff with no glory. And that's never the way God, we were designed, created in his image to live in his glory. And now the, because of the deception that's in the earth, people even attribute disasters and disease and uh, destruction to God. They call it acts of God. But in reality, it has nothing to do with the acts of God. It has to do with Satan, who the Bible says is the God of this world through deception, who has caused men and women to believe the lie, right, that we are somehow separate from God without God in this world. And that's what Christ came to undo and redo is to awaken us to the fact of who we are and teach us about the kingdom of God. We've got to switch our mindset if we're going to walk with God to switch from a church mindset to a kingdom mindset. Right? And, it, and we've got to, it's hard because we live in the Bible Belt. You know, there's, there's last count I think there's 480 churches in our county of 30,000 people. So we got plenty of churches. Churches ain't our issue. We got to get the kingdom here. We got to get the kingdom here. Jesus came and his message was not the message, hear me. Jesus never preached, repent so you don't go to hell. Jesus never preached, repent so you can go to heaven. But almost every church I've ever been to preaches that message. Repent so you don't go to hell or repent so that you go to heaven. I'm not saying that's not part of the consequential aspect of what the kingdom is, but it's not the kingdom. People say, well, you're saying, Kent, you mean you're, you're taking away from the power of the cross. No, I'm actually adding to it. Because most people in the Western culture believe that, so they pray one prayer, and they think if they repeated some words in fear of going to hell, that somehow they're saved and they're deceived. That's why I believe churches are full of people who ain't saved that think they're saved. Because they think they prayed a prayer that saved them. The cross was never about an escape from hell or a ticket into heaven, it was a lifestyle. Jesus never said, worship me, he said, follow me. And he said, if you want to follow me, here's what you do. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. If you're really saved, you're not acting the same way you acted before you got saved. If you really have an encounter with the cross of Christ, see, I believe we've, I believe we've exchanged a couch for the cross. 
We want to counsel everybody in their minds instead of letting the cross work in our hearts and bring us to a place of humility to know we got to have God deep in our hearts and in our lives. And so the cross was a lifestyle, a kingdom mentality. That I didn't have a church life and a work life. I don't have a church life and a school life. I don't have a church life and a secular life. In, in, in the kingdom, everything's holy. My work's holy. My school's holy. My job's holy. My money's holy. My marriage is holy. Everything's holy in the kingdom. So when Jesus came and preached, he said, repent. Yes, he did preach repentance. But he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, there's another way to live because you weren't created to live in sin. You were created to live in glory. And so then what Jesus, then Jesus comes along and says, not only repent, in other words, change your mind, change the way you think, move differently. He gave us the tools to do so. In Matthew 16, Peter has a revelation. People who are in the kingdom have had a revelation. People ask, why don't you have church membership? Because we don't want people to join a church. We want people to get a revelation about what the kingdom is. We have a local body. We have connected people here. But it ain't about building a local how many members are in our church. It's how many people have gotten a revelation of who Jesus is and what he can do. That's what we're after. Because Jesus came only and, and he, he told Peter, who do people say I am? Some say you're this, some say you're that. He said, who do you say I am? I say you are Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. In other words, you didn't get that from a class. You didn't get that from a preacher. You didn't get that from a book. You had an encounter with the spirit of the living God, and that's what's happened to you. He said, now, since that's happened, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. A kingdom people with a revelation of who Jesus is because if you find out who Jesus is, then you know who you are. So many people at church with a fault, they don't know who they are. You don't know who you are. You're, you're, you're living off what everybody else said you was. What your mama said, your daddy said, your aunt said, your grandma said. Some said you was going to make it, some said you didn't. You got to know what did God say about you. He told Peter, he said, I say, Peter said, I say you're Jesus. He said, yeah, and I say you're a rock. You're Peter, no longer Simon. And on this rock, what's that? Revelation. I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You give me people that got a revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus will build a church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Come on now. Let's just get out there right where it is. Most people get hurt and offended and moved away from church because they don't under, they never had an encounter. You thank you. Come on, girl. That's what I'm talking about. Telling the news. Keith, Jesus paid for us to have this. Revelations 1 and what, 17 and 18 says something like this. He said, don't be afraid. I am he. I was dead, but now I'm alive, and I hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave. All authority has been given unto Jesus, and he gives it unto us and says, go now with that authority. Actually, being born again, being born again, according to the Scripture, is, having, is not necessarily 
just having sins washed. It's actually having your eyes open. Revelations 3, I mean, uh, John 3, 3 says something like this. It says, most assuredly I send you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. So born again is not coming to an altar saying, I'm sorry for my sin and going out and just living just a life, another, the same old life. Being born again is, yes, having sins washed away and knowing you're forgiven, but having your spiritual eyes open so now you know God's got a purpose, God's got a plan, God's got a passion, God's got something working for you. And now it says when you know that, you will seek him. And when you seek him, you'll find him. And then you'll walk with him. So touch two or three, four people say, we're talking about kingdom people. Tell them we're talking about kingdom people. So we're talking about moving, walking, living in the kingdom of God, right? Under the lordship, the kingship of Christ, right? Even though Satan is the God of this world, we understand we've been called as salt and light in this world to extend the king's domain. In other words, you and I are both called to exercise and demonstrate what Jesus has already done. 2,000 years ago and extend his kingdom until he returns to take up residence here. We got a whole false theology. We're, we're, we're thinking the world's going to hell in the handbasket until Jesus comes back and rescues everybody and we're hiding high behind the bush, you know, saying, come Lord Jesus. That's not biblical. It says we are to maintain and to advance kingdom, authority, take territory in poverty, in disease, move against these demonic forces. And, and when he comes back, he's not coming back for a sick, weak, broken down church. He's coming back for a glorious church. Come on, somebody. And so we got to get our kingdom mind mentality if we're going to really see the glory of God move in our midst. we got to shift our mentality and understand we're all called into the kingdom. And it'll keep, it'll keep making sense more as we go. Too quickly, power. God never called us to be kingdom citizens without kingdom power. Because we're, there's another realm, if you will. There's another realm we live in, another realm called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that power is available. Let me just go ahead and give you this disclaimer. This church believes in the second experience with God as in the, in the pro process we'll call salvation. And that is once you have an encounter and you know who Jesus is, yes, that's an illumination. But we also believe in a baptism of the Holy Ghost just like happened at Pentecost where with the, come on now, with the evidence of speaking in tongues where we receive power. And, 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 and trust me, if you've not experienced that, I'm not talking about acting strange because if you're strange with the Holy Ghost, you were strange before you got the Holy Ghost. So it's not that's, I'm not talking about strange, odd behavior. I'm talking about power. I'm talking about authority. I'm talking about ruling and reigning with Christ, with spiritual gifts, walking in this earth. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. Somebody say power. You shall receive power after that which the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's where we're headed two weeks. If you've never had the experience where the Holy Spirit's come upon you with evidence of speaking in tongues, we're praying you get that between now and Pentecost. And so you say, how do I get it? Just ask for it. It's a free gift. Just start saying, Lord, I want that thing that you paid for me to have called the Holy Ghost. And I promise you, you'll get it. My wife and I got it supernatural, and it was awesome. My wife was just worshiping God one day in church and just started speaking in tongues. 
I was like, how'd you get that? She's like, I don't know. It just came out. About a few months later, I got it. she got it at church. I got it in my bedroom. I talked to a beautiful lady in the parking lot last Sunday. One of the most miraculous stories you've ever seen. She, she prayed for several years. She just had this blockage in her mind about it. And uh, i never forget, I got a phone call about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. It was her. She said, oh, I said, what in the world's happened to you? She said, you're not going to believe this. She said, you know, I've been struggling for years about this Holy Ghost stuff. She said, I sat down on the toilet and it hit me right here on the toilet. She said, I got filled with the Holy Ghost sitting right here on the john this morning in my house. Come on, somebody. I love that. The Holy Spirit's real. It's a real force, a real power, and he wants to empower our lives. You said power to do what? Well, number one, power over sin. Romans 6, 14 says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you because you're not under law, you're under grace. The power of the Holy Spirit is to empower us, to let us know through illumination, sin does not dominate our, dominate our lives anymore. We may fall temporarily into it, but it has no power to hold us because its power has been broken by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. We're, we're called to walk in freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit. Two, power over Satan. Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies harm you. You'll tread on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Now, granted, you'll learn to walk this kingdom lifestyle. I had to learn it. Bev had to learn it. We, we, we knew nothing when we first got started other than we heard preachers teaching that you could live this life, and we desperately wanted it. So we started pursuing it. I'll never forget, I started reading. Bev's never been afraid. I'm always afraid. Bill's always never afraid. And, and, and I started reading books about demons and principalities, trying to figure out what this stuff was all about. And I never forget, I was in our house one night, and I'm reading this book about demons, and, I, I, I'm, and night, it's always worse at night, isn't it? And, 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 and like I, I'm reading this book, and I hear, psst, psst. I'm like, pick that book back up, and the story, psst, psst. I'm like, wait a minute now, this stuff might be real, you know? And uh, about the third time I heard that, I ran in the bedroom, jumped in the bed with Bev. I said, Bev, something's out there. I said, check it out. I'm going to pray for us. That actually really happened. But I began to realize and learn, I'm not supposed to be afraid of darkness. I'm not supposed to be afraid of demons. They have no authority over my life. I've got all authority over it. Come on, somebody. I tell you that, I ain't scared no more. I'll tell you that right now. Somebody shout power. Power to get wealth. That's something that people don't want to talk about. But according to Deuteronomy 8.18, Here's what it says. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he might establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God has no problem getting you money so that you can use money to establish his purposes in the earth. That's the whole plan of God. He wants to bless you with wealth. What is wealth? Wealth is anything you have over and above your need. That's your net worth. Anything you have in abundance over what you need and once your needs are met, anything extra, that's called wealth. 
And God says he'll give you, isn't it? we got to understand it. Not, he didn't say I'll give you power to get your needs met. He said I'll give you power to have wealth. That means you got more than what your needs are. I like what Dr. Patty, I feel like Dr. Patty has had this thing on. I felt the anointing put on. I said, somebody want to put this mic on after last week. I said, somebody hold my mule. I got to shout. Isn't that what you said last week? And then the second point I got from her, she said, he ain't L get by. He's L shall die. Come on now. He ain't, touch, touch somebody said, he ain't L get by. Tell him, come on. He ain't L get by. He's L shall die. But he, not so we can have wealth. But so we, he said he'd bless us so we could be a blessing. So we could do kingdom work. So we could get orphans and adopt them. So that we could take care of people that don't have clean water. So that we could feed hungry people. So that we could get people out of the sex trade. So we could, actually, so we could protect the earth. So we could change the environment. So we could change the atmosphere. Kingdom people. And that's what God's wanting us to do. I had an experience this week thinking about getting wealth. When we, when we got started here, the Lord just did miraculous things. And we visited with a couple last night that was, had been such a blessing uh, and demonstrate this, that God gives power to get wealth. Because God's blessed them. And they, and they make a difference. They, they just feel called to make a difference. And we were just trying to get uh, the connection started. And uh, this, this guy came. He said, I want to help you. He said, I don't really have a lot of cash right now. He said, but I have got some antique vehicles. He said, I got a 57 Chevy pickup truck. Yellow, beautiful. He said, I, I want to give it to the church. I said, what am I going to do with a 57 Chevy pickup truck? He said, well, why don't you auction it off and use the money to help build the building? I said, that's a great idea. So I auctioned it off. We sold raffle tickets, and I think $45,000 came in on that truck. And then, then, but then, I mean, I was happy, like you. And then, and then, but then people, some people weren't happy because they said I was gambling. Yeah, they said, you, you know, you're, and, I, and I thought, well, I guess you're right. You know, because we're buying chances. And, uh, and I said, so, but I wasn't gambling intentionally. Uh, you know, and they said, well, we're going to leave the church. And I'm like, well, don't leave over the yellow truck. I'll do something much worse than that down the road. Wait and leave then, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> don't leave on the yellow truck deal I'll, do, I'll blow something up but worse than that before we get through with this thing you know and uh, so there was a guy Richard Sherrard that's his name drug addict came to our church got delivered got saved got baptized and got filled with the Holy Ghost Comes to church the morning we're raffling the truck with $20 to his name. Here's his testimony. He said the Spirit of God spoke to him. He's about to put that 20 in the offering and said, uh-uh, you need to buy a ticket for that truck because you're going to win. I don't know about you. It makes me almost want to go to trip to Georgia. But, but I, 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 No, I'm just teasing. Even though I did see some of y'all's cars over there when I came by the day. But anyway, that's another story. This is a true story. Bought a ticket, won the truck. Came up and told me about it. Just thrilled. Drug addict, saved, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, and now won a brand new truck. 57 Chevy pickup truck. He called to testify to me that he drove that truck for three years. He said, you, I can't tell you how many people got saved he said, every time I'd stop to fill up with gas, people would say, where'd you get that truck? He said, I'd tell them a whole testimony. They'd get saved right there at the, well, I was. 
Hang on, it gets better. He came and met with Matt and I this week. He said, I want to come talk to y'all. I got more of the story. He drove that truck for three years. The Lord spoke to him, I want you to go to Israel and be a missionary. He sold the truck, took the money, went to Israel to become a missionary in Jericho and ministered to Muslims for three years. There he met a woman who was on a prayer journey through Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan praying for the Muslim world. They met, they got married. Now he's in Jordan, both of them as missionaries caring for thousands of refugees that are from Iraq and Syria and have a huge ministry in Jordan because somebody used a pickup truck for some kingdom wealth to establish God's covenant. Come on somebody. Somebody shout, God will give you power. Come on now. God, kingdom people. That God will bless you, you might buy a truck, but it may not be yours for long. I remember Benny used to say, God said millions of dollars will flow through your hands if you don't get sticky hands. Come on, kingdom people. Let me, I just got to stay here a minute for some reason. When Moses took an offering, it says they brought so much that he had to say, could y'all please quit bringing offerings? How many churches you know on Sunday, they say, could y'all hold your tithe? We got just too much going on right now. Banks call, it's more than can be insured. There's money piled up. We're trying to spend it faster when we can get it overseas to help people. But could you just, could you hold your tithe for a couple of weeks? You know what I'm saying? No, it's not. But I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. Why? Because I believe we've not taught a kingdom mentality to people who realize when you let God get a hold of your money, God gets a hold of your heart. And when that happens, big things begin to move in the kingdom of God. Touch your neighbor and say, he's going to give you power to get well. Tell him, he's going to give you power to get well. Man, that's good. One more power word. What is it? John 1 and 12. Power to become Sons and daughters of God. Power to become. Now you got to understand that translation. It's interesting. That's not talking about actually becoming something. It's actually going back to Genesis, realizing who you actually already are. It's the power to go back to your original intent. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. A tree got you out of a garden, and a tree got you back in. <laughs> Woo, come on, somebody. The first person that saw Jesus after he was resurrected met him in the garden and thought he was the gardener. Why? He was. He was the last Adam. Y'all hang on. Let me pat myself. Y'all catch that in a minute. I'll get there. Because now I'm going to take you to the glory part. The glory part. Sin is not living in glory. Romans 3.22 says, for all have sinned. Why? <laughs> for all have sinned and fall short or have fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is simply this. It's you and I not living in in our who we were actually created to be in the image of God. You weren't created for sin. I wasn't created for sin. You weren't created for poverty. 
I wasn't created for poverty. God didn't create people in his own image to live outside of his purposes and his plans. Our very DNA works the best when we're living in obedience with God. That's why it says when you begin to live in obedience with God, something begins to transpire. Like Moses, who was 120 years old, his natural force was not even abated, nor his eyes were dim. When you start living the way God wants us to live, our very DNA comes alive. That's why when you start taking a Sabbath, this is science. It says your heart beats slower the seventh day than the other day. Because God destined you to rest on the seventh. But see, we're not kingdom people. We, th- we try to throw that off to the Old Testament. We try to throw away the Sabbath. We don't rest. We work, and we work some of us seven days a week because we don't think God can provide in six. Come on, somebody now. I'm preaching good to you this morning. I know it's got to be good to you. It's good to me, and I'm the one preaching it. Come on, I'm not eating as it comes out. Touch three or four people. I'm talking about being a kingdom person. Come on, I'm talking about being a kingdom person. If you, if you missed anything, just get this. Jesus paid the price for us to live in glory. People always stop at verse 22 and they miss verse 23 and 24 because it says something like this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by his grace through redemption in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Jesus is what God believes about you. Jesus is what God believes about you. Jesus demonstrated to us that God did not make a mistake when he created us in his image. Jesus is what God believes about you. In him, the righteousness of God is on display in such a way that everyone may be equally persuaded about what God believes about them. Regardless of who they are, there is no distinction. Sin is simply to live out of context with the blueprint of your design. (laughs) To behave out of tune with God's original harmony. Jesus Christ is proof of God's grace gift. He redeemed the glory in human life. Mankind condemned is now mankind justified. He proved that God didn't make a mistake when he made us. This is, you got to catch this. The Bible says the first Adam, right, fell. The last Adam stood. The first Adam, all sin, all die. The last Adam, all are made alive. First Adam, all sinners. Last Adam, all righteous. Romans 5, for by one man's sin and disobedience, sin came upon the whole world. First Adam. So you had no choice being born into the first Adam. 
and to the deceit of that. For some reason, we have no problem putting everybody in sin. But we have a big problem trying to put everybody in righteousness. Because it didn't say by our works we fell into sin. And by our works we get into righteousness. It said by one man's offense many are made sinners. But by one man's obedience many are made righteous. <laughs> Woo! I don't plead guilty, I don't plead innocent, I just plead the blood. Oh, come on now, come on. But our problem is because we're not kingdom people, we hear a message every Sunday at church about your sin, your sin, your this, your, and, and we keep hearing about our sin when it ain't my sin, it's Adam's. But we always talk, they, tell, they preach, your sin, your sin, your sin. It's not my sin. It was Adam's sin. I wasn't created to sin. I was created for righteousness. And so when I get this revelation, it changes my behavior. Now it says I can literally rule and reign with Christ because I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Y'all, we ain't got it yet. Even though you were born into sin, you didn't always act like it. You did some good things. Even though you're born in righteousness, you don't always act like it. But that don't change the fact. Just like you couldn't act your way out of sin, you can't act your way into righteousness. It's a gift of God. Come on, somebody. Woo! When we realize this, we'll start walking in power with kingdom authority. Walking as the righteous sons and, God, sons and daughters of God. The whole earth is groaning waiting for somebody to get this revelation and stand and walk in it. Revelations 1 and 5 and 6 says something like this. I've been saying scripture like that. I feel kind of like a real preacher. Revelations 1 and 5 and 6. You know, like, like I know the Bible. <laughs> Revelations 1 and 5 and 6. Revelations 1 and 5 and 6. I have been up since 2.30. I'm a little... Punch drunk right now. That's all right. I'm feeling the groove. Revelation 1 and 5 and 6. He who, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, firstborn from the dead, ruler over the kings of the earth. <laughs> I just like that part. Ruler over the kings of the earth. To him, talking about the king, who loved us, and washed us from our own sins in his own blood. Hold right there. Whoa, back up, back up. That's powerful. Not with the blood of a goat, not with the blood of an animal, but with his own blood. So when we sing there's royal blood flowing through our veins, it ain't no fairy tale. Jesus the king shed his blood for us. But most of us stop there. 
Come on. And. Stop it. And has made us kings and priests unto our God. And Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You, a kingdom of priests. What is it? Priest, what is that? Access. Everybody here has got access to God. Come boldly now to the throne of grace. You don't need, you don't need me. You don't even need a preacher. Cut out the middleman. You can go straight to the source yourself. Put on your priestly garment. Put on your priestly praise. Put on your power. Put on your glory. Put on your garment of praise and come boldly to the throne of grace. But also kings. What is kings? Why is that important? Kings make decrees. I've never seen a king begging for anything. King just makes decrees because he has the authority. If he says it, it's so. God has given us authority as kings to take his word, say it, decree it, and let it be so. He's given us that authority. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. The keys to the kingdom, decree it and see it done. Speak it out to the atmosphere and see it happen. I believe this is where we're at. We're really entering into a brand new month, Savan. And this month simply means this in a nutshell. It's time to tie your walk to your talk. Tie you walk to your talk. See, in the Greek mindset, we want to separate everything. Hebraic mindset, it all flows together. So in a Greek mindset, Passover's done and we're moving on to something else. That's not the Hebraic mindset. Hebraic mindset is Passover prepared us to move us to Pentecost. Pentecost will empower us to take us all the way to Tabernacles. Tabernacles and Rosh Hashanah sets us up to move us back down toward Passover. Each month, they don't separate. It prepares you for the next month. So here's, just let me run this by you and, we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll be done. Here's where a lot of us, I think, miss it. At Passover, God brings us to Passover every year because he doesn't want us to get far from the miraculous God that he is. So he gives us faith once a year. Hey, I'm a God of miracles because I delivered you out of Egypt through miracles. I sent my son to die for you, raised him from the dead by a miracle. I gave you the Holy Spirit by a miracle. I forgave your sins by a miracle. You breathe in my air by a miracle. Because I breathe into your nose when you're born, right? I, I, I did 52 miracles in your mom's body just to get you here. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew you while you were still in your mother's womb and fashioned you and formed you and wrote your days down in a book. He wants to remind us of that. So we make decrees out of that each year, like this year, what'd we say? It's gonna work. Isn't that what we said? We said that, why? Because God said that. We said it's gonna work. But it don't take long for us to get out of Passover and you forget that. And we don't tie our walk, our talk, to our walk. And so I had a guy come up to me this week with a problem in a relationship, like I think it's gonna be over. I said, can't be. He said, what do you mean I can't be? I can't be over. 
Why? Because God said it's going to work. He, he, wouldn't t- he, he didn't just choose you to leave you out on the deal. It's going to work. He said, I forgot that. I said, I know. That's why I'm telling you. It's going to work. You know what happened? Two days later, I called him. I said, how's it going? He said, it's working out. Come on now. Just remind yourself. Say out loud, it's going to work. Then what do we say? We, we said something. Now's the time. Now's the time. Don't forget about that. Because now as we move to Pentecost, we're supposed to receive power to walk our talk. So in other words, we're supposed to be moving now through this progress with God that now we're receiving revelation and power from the Holy Spirit to walk this out of walking in what God said. He's going to turn things around. It's going to work. And now is our time. And so now we're supposed to start walking in what God said we were going to have at Passover by Pentecost. We should be walking in it. So I'm just encouraging you, tie your walk to your talk. You say, what does that mean? When you show up at work, I'm telling you the glory of God's here. I'm telling you the kingdom's here. I'm telling you the power of God's here. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit's your portion. I'm telling you you're kings and priests under your God. So now, what I'm saying is when you show up at work tomorrow and somebody comes in and they report to you they're sick, well, don't just say something kind. Say, do you mind slipping over here with me? I got some Earl I'm going to oil you up here with and put your hands on them and say, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give to you. Be healed. Come on now. Walk in it. How long are we just going to sit around and talk about we're kingdom people, we do miracles, he's the God of miracles, and we don't ever attempt to walk out in faith and see what God can do in our life. When you start managing your checkbook tomorrow and you realize you've got more month than money, don't fret, don't take out a loan, drop your checkbook, throw your hands up and say, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I decree money come to me now in Jesus' name. You say, well, I'm just not comfortable. Well, that will stay broke. It's called the law of prosperity. It's a kingdom key that Jesus gave you and you're sitting around with no money and you got a key in your pocket to open up the doors of heaven and see it pour out more than you'd have room enough to receive. I met a cool country boy in here, a coon hunter, comes to our church. He's awesome. He said, my wife, he said, she got a hold of this thing. I said, what do you mean? He said, we didn't even come to church, and she got online and paid a tithe. I told her, honey, we didn't even attend. We don't have to pay. He said, you don't have to pay if you don't go. He said, I couldn't believe it, kids. We didn't even go to church. She, She paid a tithe online. I said, honey, you don't have to do that. We didn't know a mission fee. We didn't go. She said, she looked at me. She said, I can't afford not to get my tithe in. She said, this is what's keeping the windows of heaven open up over our life. See, we got a lot of church people sitting around, but they're not living in the kingdom with kingdom principles and kingdom thoughts. Statistically, only 20% of church people are tithing. It's not about the money. It's living outside the kingdom. That's just one example. On and on and on it goes. We got to tie our walk 
to. We can't keep coming to church singing about the God of miracles, praising Jesus for how good he is, and not walk by faith into kingdom and see what God can do in our life. I'm going to tell you what, it's the most exciting, power-filled thing you've ever been out on. God wants to take you on an adventure in the miraculous, in the supernatural. God, Bevan, I've been living this for 33 years. I'm going to tell you what, it's awesome. I love Jesus more today than I did 33 years ago. I, I, he makes me happier today than he did 33. I get up every day. It may sound strange. I may, not, I may wake up at 2.30. I may be tired. I told Bev, I said, Whew, I've been up since 2.30. You know, I'm like, how am I going to make it through two services today? You know, she said, oh, honey, she said, it's just in your mind. She said, you ain't going to feel tired about two. And I'm like, I feel tired right now, actually. I'm going to tell you what, I stepped in this place at first service. We started singing about the God of miracles. I'm like, and it's like God said, you, you, you mean you don't think I can't strengthen you? You think, you think I ain't even stronger than you not sleep? What? Hadn't you heard... Hadn't you heard that me, the God of heaven and earth, I ain't weary. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk it. I'm not talking about just saying it. I'm talking about living it. Living in the kingdom. Living with the Lord. Living with the Holy Spirit. Come on, jump up on your feet. God's ready for us to move and live in the kingdom. We sung it, every move I make, every breath I take, living with the God of miracles. Miracles should be a, a relatively regular occurrence. I was preaching in Texas recently, told two or three stories like I told you today, and the Holy Spirit hit me, I started sobbing. I said, there's only one thing wrong with these stories. They're old. I hear people talking about 20 years ago. and uh, What about yesterday? God wants to do it now. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv or download the Wayo app. If you're ready for your next step, jump into Freedom Track anytime. Have a great week.